0: Hello, how are you doing? My name is Carter Lewis. I am the host of the podcast. Guess what the name is? Yep, you probably got it right from the title, didn't you? Clipless in Canada. This is a bit of a, a cycling podcast with a different perspective on one you're probably used to. You've probably listened to other podcasts or watched racing or something like that, anything really, which is always going to have a very European central focus. And i want to kind of change that up i want to see what it's like to figure the world of cycling out from a different perspective one that's outside of the cycling heartland one that is not in the mainstream whatsoever really because cycling in canada is not a mainstream sport right as i'll talk about later we are not a cycling nation i want to kind of dive into why are we not a cycling nation why are we not or how could we possibly become one That's what I'm gonna touch on today. I've got a super cool interview with a super cool athlete. She's awesome, 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 right? Can't wait for that to come up later on in the episode. We're gonna touch on the goods, the bads, the uglies, and I guess the neutrals, and where we can improve, where we're doing well, and see where we are gonna maybe be going in the next 10, 15, 20 years. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to share about the podcast or this episode specifically, feel free to get in contact with me on my Strava. Like I said before, my name is Carter Lewis, and you can just comment under any of my rides or any of my activities or anything like that there. If that includes anybody you want to hear on the podcast, like an interview of some sort or a topic you want me to touch on, put that in there and I'm sure we can try and make something work to make your wishes come true. Does that sound really corny? Yeah, a little bit corny. We're gonna run with it though, right? Anyways, you know what I mean. If you got it, type it in there and uh, I will make sure I get back to you as soon as I possibly can. I really appreciate your feedback. I love hearing what other people think about the show. I always wanted to try and prove myself, right? And as this is kind of the beginning of the journey, I'm a little bit unsure of where I'm gonna go or who I'm gonna talk to or what I'm gonna touch on, that kind of thing. So I'd love to have your feedback the listener is important right so anyways thank you very very much for taking the time out of your day or maybe you're not taking the time out of your day maybe you're on the bike getting some miles in you're uh at work doing your thing or you're just at home doing some laundry or just chilling or maybe you're doing some school work like i should be right now but i'm recording this yeah don't tell my professors anyways once again thank you very much for taking the time out of your day i really appreciate it hope you enjoy the episode today super cool interview coming up like I said before anyways once again I am Carlos Lewis and I am the host of the Clipless and Canada podcast thank you very much you know when you think of Canadian sport you're probably not going to think of Canadian cycling right off the bat it's going to be hockey or baseball or American football or basketball right or running as well I should say but cycling is definitely not top on the on the list mountain biking is but but certainly not road or track or uh, cyclocross it's just it's not a big canadian sport there's not a lot of participation there's not a lot of involvement in general really cycling over here is a means to get from place a to place b it's not really a sport you know when i go and i ride as as an athlete there's one or two of us in my city who are actually real full-on cyclists one or two not counting myself i should say so three okay that doesn't make a big difference but you know what i mean right it's just it's not huge so in tokyo the women's track team obviously had a ton of success with kelsey mitchell and and, uh, and company so she had success at the tokyo olympics like i said just before and at the uci track champions league both of those were in the women's sprint events and then you had maggie coles lister uh, Laurent Jeunesse and Kelsey Mitchell wrapping up in World Champs and Track Champions League and all that kind of thing. So there's success on the track for sure. There's not a ton of, of huge international success on the road, right? You didn't hear a ton. Ugo Huol taking a stage win at the Tour de France, I should point out right there. And Mike Woods taking third on that same stage. But in general, there isn't a ton of it, right? So can we fix that lack of success and the lack of popularity that road cycling faces over here? Is it, can we make it the next ice hockey? Can there be the next taddy Pogacar come out of Canada sometime soon? Okay, maybe not sometime soon, but in, in 10, 15 years time, is that possible? Okay, 10, 15 years might be a bit short now, I think about it, 25? Yeah, let's go 25 years, okay? A little bit out there, one more generation, two more generations, that kind of thing. Can we be the next cycling superpower? Like Spain, France, Britain, Italy, australia belgium and even now slovenia really are the major cycling superpowers they are tier one of cycling right it's just a fact all those nations they've had a history in it they have success and it's just going to continue that way tier two you're probably looking at the united states um germany canada you could argue canada is in there canada is a second or third tier team depending on who you talk to right but we're not as bad as many people think we are right we we are not bad second and third tier team is not bad generally we're pretty high in the world rankings on the track especially on the women's side the women's track program is great right it's and it's picking up and it's going to just going to keep getting better and better you look at like i said before kelsey mitchell lorange Janes, s there are the standouts right they are doing very very well and they are increasing the popularity in canadian cycling and women's canadian cycling as a, as a very specific side of it roadwise Young Mike Woods, probably arguably the biggest Canadian currently right now, third in the 2018 World Champs in Innsbruck, second at the 2018 Liège, fifth of the Tokyo Olympic Road Race, so he's got some big results, like I said before, third at the Tour de France stage uh, just this past year 2022, and then Hugo Hugo, like I said, is a Tour de France stage winner now, so huge congratulations to him, that is awesome to have third Canadian to win a, a Tour de France stage from Hugo hi it's Carter coming to you again Um, but in a very different time spot I fact checked that after I recorded this and realized that that is Canada's second Tour de France stage winner in Hugo Huel so I apologize for that mistake and yeah so congratulations to Steve Bauer and Hugo Huel now for being the only two Canadians to win a, a Tour de France stage win alrighty I'll get you back to the intro and then the mountain bike biking we got plenty of stars right any discipline you go to we're probably gonna have somebody you got emily batty catherine pendrow brandon samanuck just to name a couple we're at the top of my head um and then side cross it's not that is not strong it's just that it's not really really strong uh we got michael Van Ham on the men's side and megaly rochette on the women's side megaly placed very well in the ucl world champs beating Sonic khan who is a former world champion I should say, and that was in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, this past uh, World Champs in 2021. So overall, we're not that bad, right? Tier 2 is not bad. We've got some stars on on our rosters, but we don't have any superstars, right? But sportsmanship in cycling is not the same as sportsmanship in hockey or football or basketball or baseball or anything like that, right? the athletes are closer but they're farther away at the same time i think a lot of you would agree you know you see in the races obviously everybody's chatting hanging out and your co-workers are also your competitors right but before and after races generally there isn't a lot of chit chat and and uh, small talk between between riders it's all kept in the team right and then in the race is when you chat with your buddies on different teams so you see after a race, like in the women's side, there's a lot more uh, hugs and high-fives and congratulations and laughing and cheering and all kind of kind of thing as compo- as compared to the men's side, I should say. So, because it might seem a little bit colder after the race, um, as opposed to, say, after a Game 7 Stanley Cup Final on the hockey side things, does that kind of deter people from Cycling is in general because it seems a bit colder. I'm not too sure. I've heard that from some non cyclists at my university. I've heard that a couple of times, but I'm not too sure. I kind of want to understand is that a deciding factor? And if it is, can we make cycling a bit more participation friendly and um Better sportsmanship, I guess you would kind of say. Can we do that to encourage people to be like, oh these people are are humans, you know, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I don't know. It's just I'm just floating ideas around there. That might be something like that, but we'll explore that later on in the in the episode here for sure. And as I said before, as a little bit of a sneak preview uh, to our interview today. She is super, super knowledgeable. And like they always say, to gather information on that subject, you gotta talk to somebody who knows a lot about it right uh her I'll give out the first name Maggie Mag- yeah yeah I'll, I'll, I'll give you the name Maggie okay can you pick up the last name or are you gonna have to wait a couple of minutes longer here she is a super super strong rider racing on the road and on the track she won the inaugural scratch race at the women's track event in New York at the UCI Track Champions League this past uh past November and past December that series if you've checked it if you've watched it, I should say that was a great great event if you haven't, see if you can find some some replays and make sure you check that out. She's also now Canada's national double, national double? Double national champion in the road race and in the crit race. So she knows a little bit about being tactically savvy on both the road and on the track and she's got some serious power to back up those, uh, those tactical smarts. Wanted to talk to her, reached out to her and said, hey, would you be interested? She's like, yes, 100%, let's do it. So she's on. Huge thank you to Maggie Coles Lister for jumping in. Make sure you take a listen. She is so, so knowledgeable. And once again, thank you very much, Maggie, for hopping in. When did you start riding?
1: Uh, So I started riding when I was really young, so like eight years old, but did my first project with Cycling Canada when I was 15. So I'd say that's really when things stepped up for me.
0: And then was that national team?
1: Yeah. So that was just yeah. a camp down in California. And then my first world championships were the next year when I was 16, turning 17. And um, and that was on yeah. the track. That was on, that was in cyclocross track oh. and road. So I did all three that year. That was the first year they had a, a junior, well, junior U23 women's combined uh, cyclocross world championships was exciting to be a part of
0: yeah bet. and how did that go for you then not bad
1: Uh, not great (laughs) my shoe (laughs) broke uh that's when I learned the lesson of having a spare pair of shoes in the pits um so you know what it didn't go great it was an experience it kind of just made me realize that I loved track and road even more and could excel there um I don't get me wrong I still love cyclocross but I, I'm not skilled enough <laughs> for it. Yeah. I'd have to put a lot of work into developing my skill to be really good there.
0: <laughs> so you're riding in there at all then? Or you've, you've given up mostly?
1: Uh, I mean, when I'm home, I'll like do the occasional cross race or the cross race my dad puts on. Yeah. So, you know, just for fun.
0: So then we'll get, So, we'll talk mostly the track and the roadside then for sure. And see how you kind of think about that when you when you start to when you started obviously you were you are a lot younger but then you get to where you are now do you see the sport changing quite a bit or have you noticed any dramatic changes that you would good or bad really
1: ah uh, i mean on both sides there have been changes like if we look at the track side first i mean when i started it was really just developing the whole team pursuit on the track. It was going from a three women's team pursuit to a four women's team pursuit. Nice. We got the two bronze medals at the 2012 and 2016 Olympics. And then we kind of came into the picture. And I mean, if you look at the team now, it's almost a brand new team, a couple yeah. of returning riders from the last Olympic cycle, but uh, the program is obviously huge now. There's 10 plus women in the program. Um, so yeah, we've really seen it, you know, kind of ebb and flow through the years and gone from a really small program to winning medals and the program getting more funding and more investment in track cycling and now quite a big new or yeah, a big new but young team. And then if we look on the road from when I started, I mean. Most women weren't getting paid, yeah. uh, but now we have world tour teams and minimum sal- minimum salaries on those teams. So I mean, these are pretty big transitions, if you well, that have happened over these years.
0: And you even look at say, you are talking about women not getting paid yet. You know, you, that's not even saying like not only Canadian cycling, but women cycling as a whole, right?
1: You know? Yeah, that's in the whole world.
0: Yeah. So I think that was probably the biggest step i'd say in a very very long time for not just women cycling but cycling as a whole to see that Mm -hmm. and you get there but then you say when you're talking about the track and then you look at it and cycling specifically and you look at a lot of other sports too nobody lasts in there for very long so you can never really have that established program last you unless you're say belgium or the netherlands or france or great britain Who've got that you know esteemed system and they just have talent churning in and in and in. they're going out and coming in and coming in that kind of thing
1: you yeah know, and it's tough cycling. i mean they have big pools coming they have big pools of riders coming up and everyone there grows up riding and they also have uh, I mean some of those programs have more money thrown at the sport so yeah. in Canada like we don't get paid a lot, especially if you're a track rider <laughs> unless yeah, you're exactly. doing something on the side or you have a road contract or sponsorship you really don't get paid much so I think that's where you see people not necessarily lasting for a long time like you see over in Europe like riders riding until their 40s <laughs> exactly yeah um, just because people need to make money and just over here there's a big push to school yeah exactly
0: yeah i think then you see say hockey right you know it's it's canada sport i guess you want to say so then you get the monies in there the participation and all that kind of stuff it's in there but we have to figure out a way that we could i don't want to say turn cycling into canada sport but give it the participation and the the viability of a career that it deserves you know kind of treated similar yeah europe's got you know what i mean
1: and it is tough because we are such a big country and people are so spread out and we only have i mean currently two indoor velodromes one olympic sized indoor another one soon to be finished in bromont but that's
0: edmonton's gonna be getting one too soon
1: and Edmonton will be getting one. So I, I'll be really interested to see how the sport is going to shift and hopefully grow when we have more tracks across the country.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. And I think Edmonton is actually a good spot to put one in because you know you've got them pretty much in the major cycling centers of Canada right now. I think to put one at Edmonton would be a good idea just to kind of get that sort of western part of like you know, mm-hmm. Alberta would be a really good spot. For it to be, but is our demographic gonna suit that? I don't, I don't know. Like I see, when I ride,
1: you, you think, you think it should. Like it's such a winter climate, and yeah. that you'd think people would want to be able to use the track throughout the winter and having yeah. an indoor velodrome would be amazing. But yeah, sorry, what were you gonna it's, say?
0: It's kind of like when I go and I ride. You know, you, you know, it's obviously it's road. I'm not riding track. But you see, it's like nobody's out like riding as a sport. I should say nobody's out riding as a sport or anything like that. It's you know getting to and from. There's you know e-bikes and you know no disrespect against e-bikes, but it's the people that disrespect the use of the e-bike. You know what I mean? Like we're flying and they're like Mm -hmm. 15 and they're flying on their e-bikes, whatever. You know, you see that nobody's actually. I think we got to turn into, yeah, a sport, and people need to realize that. I think right now in Alberta, specifically where I'm in Lethbridge, nobody really understands that. So I think when it extends out to Edmonton, it's going to take a long time for it to, you know, really grasp the public and say, "Hey, this is a sport." But I guess that's just like anything, right? It
2: takes a little while.
1: Hmm. I- um. Like what I do think outside of the track, uh, just for cycling in general in Canada. I do think criteriums yeah. for road racing could like they're growing. And I think there's a lot of potential there for North Americans to get even more excited about them. Like you're seeing it down in the U S so like Tulsa tough when we go race that there's so many people out watching the televi television, televised races, like the coverage is getting better and better. Um, and lots of people tune into those live streams. So I think there's a huge opportunity there with crits. But if we come back to Canada, we, besides some smaller local races, we basically have no road racing at all on the calendar happening. Yeah. Like hopefully nationals, but that's it.
0: And that's, that's, hopefully, right? that's yeah. not Yeah. A guarantee, you, you know, your nation is in a bit of a rough spot with your sport when nationals aren't even a guaranteed possibility. Right? Yeah. But exactly. I think when you talk about the crits, you look at say legion like what they're doing for cycling in north america and cycling as a whole is just unbelievable you know i think that's what we need we need people like that to come in Mm -hmm. and say you know it's cool you show up in your chains and you know your fancy cars and you you know you tear everybody to pieces you you put on a show and i think right now people are seeing road racing in europe and they see what little of it on youtube because it's not televised here, right. You know, you get GCN who's streaming some of the stuff over to North America, but you see what's a little bit on YouTube. If you're, you know, a standard cyclist, you know, you don't have the subscriptions, whatnot. You see that, and you, you know, a 200-kilometer stage through Qatar is not the most exciting thing to watch. And I think we need, yeah, like the crits. that's where North American cycling is going, right? Kind of like what you're saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really have to be a fan. And cycling to sit through a four, six, seven hour long stream. Like, uh, you really have to love it. But yeah, Criterion's and like the Williams and Legion, they have done a great job.
0: Oh, you never do that? (laughs) I would never be able to watch the seven hours, eight hours (laughs) straight. Let alone cycling, I couldn't sit in front of a television for that long.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So
0: then when we're talking about the the issues around it because that's there's not a lot of pros there's a lot of cons right now with canadian cycling i'd say there are pros but not to the extent of the of the negative side of it when you because have you raced in europe at all yet yeah other than uh, other than track like roadwise yeah i raced on
1: a belgian team in 2017
0: Right, right yeah so then when you find, when you're, you've obviously gotten the, the uh, European side of the sport a little bit, then when you're trying to connect over there, because it's obviously very Belgium cycling, might as well just turn it into cycling and, or sorry, into hockey Canada. It's mm-hmm. very similar when you try to connect over there. Is it difficult to kind of work your way in from somebody who's very much outside of that mainstream? to kind of find yourself in the in the cycling heartland and understand that this is the way it is like you know public showing up to the racing televised races the extent to which people enjoy the sport was that was that a difficult transition to make uh
1: well yeah cycling especially in belgium is a very different experience than cycling over here i mean first just learning the style of racing um i would say especially because we do so many crits over here it's so aggressive so kind of boxy uh i'd say over there i mean you have your really good riders like you do have to earn your respect in the peloton but it's really just like go from the gun who's strongest (laughs) um so then what you say say
0: is it a bit about respect there being somebody from Canada did you find you would have to fight harder or earn more respect than somebody who would even be from you know France or something like that race on the same team would you find that
1: uh I mean maybe maybe just because they have raced with those women before and have been in that scene and know them I mean when you're coming as someone that likely people don't know on the road scene or never met the others like they're probably not gonna give you the time of day yeah. and the respect. Like you do have to earn it and you have to earn it by being respectful towards them and then just yeah. proving that you belong there and that you're a skilled rider and strong rider. Um so yeah that you kind of have to just figure it out on the fly in the race. I mean you have super fans coming up to you like mm. first time in Belgium some guy comes up with a book and has your picture in the book and you're like how did you know i was going to be here how do you know who i am and like asks for your signature and that's like a normal occurrence over there so that would never happen in canada you would never have that no no uh people probably wouldn't even know what you're doing what Cycling and racing it. <laughs>
0: <It's> yeah, like... <laughs> you ride around town in your in your team kit or whatnot, and uh, you know you're doing your intervals and stuff like that, and people drive by you in their cars and think you're nuts.
1: Yeah, right? totally.
0: That's what it's like over here. And I think yeah. That's, if you're somebody you know, Belgian or something like that, coming to race on, say, uh, EF tipco you know you do a like Tour of California, and you know you got Joe Martin that do they EF still does joe morden right
2: yeah uh
0: so if they come over here that's completely like that i guess that's the same kind of transition right for them where they don't mm-hmm. see fans they don't see much of in the way of finish line you know raw and drama and then all of a sudden it's like okay so cycling's not much over here then you know i think that would be a big change for them too. kind of the same thing you experienced right
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's kind of sad and I know it's just the reality because as we said, hockey is the Belgian cycling over here. Um, And it's just the way our culture is and has been over the years. And I mean, like, I think it will take a lot to change that. Um, I still think as a rider in North America, like, unless you love the crit scene and that's what you want to do, if you really want to race and be a rider, you have to get over to Europe. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to race on a team over there. But, yeah.
0: It's just, it's not quite the same for a Canadian racing on an American or a Canadian team if there's anybody who's even willing to, you know, pick you up. Because, yeah i guess ef you take ef for instance they are taking american canadian riders but Mm -hmm. that's those spots fill pretty quickly and that's you know eight nine ten people out of who knows how many hundreds of thousands who are trying to break into the sport like what you're saying it's just not and what we were saying before it's not a viable career option because it's
1: limited,
0: limited space and availability to get into the sport right
1: Yeah, I mean for North America we have EF and we have Human Powered Health for two women's teams that are North American based but race over in Europe. Um, And you really have to prove yourself on the North American circuit or find a way to get over to Europe and guest ride with someone or with the national team or whatever and just prove that you can do it and you belong over there and are strong. Yeah, otherwise it's really hard to kind of show what you can do. I mean, unless you're strong on Zwift and they decide to scout from Zwift again.
3: Yeah, if you're
0: Canyon SRAM and you're taken that like I think that's a pretty smart marketing plan and a scouting opportunity too. You know, you got the Zwift Academy. I think that's a good option. Mm-hmm. I think teams should kind of look into that a little bit more. Obviously not do another Swift Academy for their own team because Canyon SRAM won't like that. But you know, kind of I think look at that kind of thing because Cycling is expensive, right? And if you, know, if you can get by with a smart trainer, you got your bike, you got your subscription, you could really dig out a lot of people that normally wouldn't have the logistics ability, the financial ability, or the transportation to get to those races, right?
2: Mm-hmm. When you're seeing yeah. uh,
0: Human Powered Health and EF-Tibco as the predominant North American teams, in women's cycling i know on the men's side they there was a, a couple of months ago there was a canadian cycling magazine that came out and they talked about israel startup nation or startup academy and they were saying that their world tour team is kind of the landing spot for canadian pros it's registered as israeli but it's kind of canadian you know you got woods you got Hool, you got their general manager sylvan adams being canadian Do you kind of find that there's like a, there's a landing spot for Canadian women or is it pretty much EF and Human Powered Health?
1: I'd say those teams are just, I mean, if you're Canadian and you want to be around other North Americans and just have a team that feels more North American, I'd say those are your two, the two teams you would try for. I wouldn't say there's really a landing spot for Canadians. Like you see a very small handful of Canadian women racing on World Tour teams or racing over in Europe. Like very small, probably what, five? five six, <laughs> that I can yeah. think off the top of my head, five, six. Yeah. Um, which is really sad. And I do think like a part of that is it's it's not easy to just hop over from Canada and race in Europe. So you have to be willing to completely uproot your life and what you're doing and move over there and live over there for a season or even off season because you'll have training camps. Um, So you have to be willing to commit to that move over there, which is hard for a lot of people. And definitely with the world tradition and the salaries, I think makes it easier because you don't have to have a part-time job. (laughs) know to do that. Um that's gonna keep you over in North America or Canada? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I wouldn't say there's really a landing spot, but I'd say lots of North Americans or Canadians would probably target human powered health and EF Tipco.
0: Do you do you think that a, a yeah we'll say a quote unquote landing spot. You know, do you think that a team like that is necessary to to come about and obviously it takes time for them to, you know, get it from the start, from the bottom and work their way into the top of the sport and, you know, hopefully make world tour, you know, have a presence there. Do you think that's, that's necessary or do you think what's, what's happening now is, is enough? Team-wise.
1: Mm, well, I think we can definitely have more world tour women's teams. And I think that that's definitely the plan is to keep growing how many teams there are. Uh, Yeah, it would be amazing, obviously, to have a Canadian women's world tour team, but I just don't really see that as necessarily Mm -hmm. a realistic thing that's going to happen anytime soon. I I mean, maybe, but yeah, it's just, it's hard.
0: (laughs) I think Israel Cycling got lucky with how things kind of played out with sylvan adams taking taking the mm-hmm. helm of their their operation and then woods coming along because of his relationship with with adams you know you just kind of build on from there i think they got maybe lucky's not quite the word but i think it's connections right you know you have to yeah uh,
1: it's all connections
3: something.
1: yeah it'd be really cool if they started a woman's program
0: <laughs> yeah that you never hey there that could be something yeah. Well, yeah, I'll have to see if I can find getting contact with Adams and be like, hey, yeah, I think, you
2: know, <laughs> <Plant to see.
0: laughs> Yeah, so then, when we're, we're talking men's and women's, do you still see a from someone being on the inside of the female side of the sport, a big disparity between men's and women's side? Or do you see it, it coming down and
2: kind of equalizing itself?
1: I mean, you still see a pay paid disparity, especially when you get to the top end of what riders are being paid. Uh, you still see opportunity just for how many, like, there's still way more men's, men's races than there are women's races. Televised, like not all the women's races are televised, whether we easily can get it over in North America or not. Um, Or if they are, sometimes they don't even have uh, commentary. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you still see all those kinds of things. Uh, I think opportunity for women, like we've discussed, it, it is still uh like developing there is opportunity to get paid but there's still a lot less women getting paid and feeling the need to have a part-time job or spread themselves thin while trying to balance their athletic career so we're I not there yet there's still yeah. a lot to be done
0: i think it's something especially uh, you know if cycling is your passion and that's what you want to do i don't think anybody should be put in a spot to compromise what their their dream to kind of, you know, win Paris-Roubaix, win Tour of Flanders, win La Corse, or whatever the case may be. Or maybe now, you want to win the, you know, the first Tour de France Femme, right? You know, that kind of thing? Or mm-hmm. maybe it's just your local crit. I don't think anybody should be put at a, I wouldn't want to say disadvantage, because everybody on the female side is on the same playing field, but at a, yeah, maybe disadvantage is the right word compared to the men of chasing that goal Mm
2: -hmm.
0: because you look at the men they just dedicate their entire lives to it but like you're saying pay discrepancies are are making that very difficult for the female side yeah that's would you say that's
2: the biggest thing to change
1: i think that is the biggest thing to change yeah um i still think like coverage and how much even just how much women's teams are written about in like cycling magazines um, and all of that and like you you have to build the hype around women's cycling like you have to build that fan base like when people think cycling they're gonna think of Sagan and Cavendish and Froome and all those top names (laughs)
3: like over
1: the years but who are they gonna think on the women's side like Is a name quickly going to pop into head? Like maybe Marion Voss, um, or someone like that.
0: At least a non-cyclist. You know, if you're a casual sports fan kind of thing, you may know the namesake again. Mm -hmm. You you may, or Cavendish, or Froome, like you're saying. But yeah, that's the thing. How many, you know, sports fans, general sports fans, will know a female cyclist?
1: They're probably not going to be able to even think of anybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah like when you're talking about the pay discrepancy you know and the viewership and all that that's all going to go hand in hand as soon as you get viewership sponsorship money is going to go up and then you're going to have fans coming and and buying buying merch and you know showing up to races spending money at the beer stands or whatever the case may be and that's going to bring pay up too going to bring and it's all just a big circle right
1: but that's the tough thing like i don't know what right now the issue is i think it's some laziness of races just not putting the money into televising the women's races because like they've shown they do get the viewership. Yeah. They are getting the viewership and like, we'd kind of discussed previously, like women's races are shorter. They're really exciting. People want to watch it. Um, So they're getting the viewership. So where are more sponsors? Where's the sponsorship dollars? Why aren't more races? doing the coverage like there's still something there that's just not lining up um and it's really sad but i yeah we are trending in the right direction but yeah we still need to build that hype around women cycling
0: so then that was a very big obviously a very big thing in the road side of the sport but then if you take the track and you had success the track champions league uh later in or late 2021 do you and pay was equal right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so everybody knows pay was equal across across pay
1: is equal yep
0: and then you have canadian success with kelsey and now you Mm -hmm. and lorianne and you know canadian cycling and track cycling kind of it it was a um a light explosion if i want to put that way right you know yeah it kind of came into the public's eye a lot more with your guys' success do you see one that that uh, track champions league will be a fixture and then two do you see it being a benefit to not, not only canadian cycling but women's cycling in general
1: yes uh definitely so i do think track is a little unique uh again in yes the men usually go faster on the track but it's exciting both watching the women's races and the men's races and you can see the more equality there um again it's just opportunities for women's women on the track so if you look at six days like usually Uh, if i go to a six day i'm calling it a six day but all the women's race might be one two three days like I've never done a full six days of racing out of six yeah, days. That's
0: not because you don't want to. That's because you don't have the opportunities. Yet.
1: Yes, that's because they don't have full six days. Or if there are, there's like one or two around for women. It's so like the
0: elite of the elite, right?
1: Yeah, it's like we can't show what we do if you're not going to give us that opportunity. <laughs>
3: like,
1: yeah. We can't show how exciting it is. But yeah, the track league gave that. It's totally equal, the races are equal um the distances are equal the pay is equal and that there got so much hype and just even looking at the inside stats on like the viewership of the track league it was huge people all around the world like millions and millions of people all around the world watch the track league and they did such a good job with the tv coverage as well as filling the stadium so we had like six thousand people each night in london coming out to watch um which is a full stadium there and like then the back on track, the documentary that's come out since, it's split equally between interviewing the females and the males and just everyone who was top there. Um, so yeah, the Track League has done an incredible, uh, an incredible job of showcasing both male and female
0: cycling. And um, what, you got, what you're yeah. saying with those, those documentaries, <clears throat> I think they did a very good job like what you're saying, of evening it out, I'd almost almost even argue after watching them, because it was a five-part series, Mm -hmm. I'd almost even argue that uh, it was almost leaning in favor of the female side. Mm -hmm. Just showcasing that. I think that was because the races were a little bit more dynamic, like what you're saying. You know, you got Katie Archibald, you got Kirstenveld, and then you got the German girls in the sprints. It, it was a very it was a lot tighter it means yeah. a couple of riders whereas in the men's harry is going to take the sprints all day, every day
1: yeah i think you right. had so, more dynamic and excitement on the women's side where harry's amazing but yeah he wins everything <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then for the documentary side of that i think it makes the documentary very interesting for them to kind of lean a little it wasn't you know if you, you didn't really notice it too much but some some of the episodes were more female focused i think that was good to showcase that because the races Mm -hmm. were hands down incredible to watch right yeah and yeah i think they just did a very good job of of showcasing it in a very different way than cycling was used to
1: yeah Yeah. And I'm really excited to see how it's going to grow and what they're going to do over the next years. I think they plan to do this for years and years and years to come and build it up as the F1 of track cycling, which is essentially what track cycling is. F1, but you have females and women there, not just as the girlfriends as the drivers. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's really cool, really exciting. I was really Uh, Proud to be a part of the very first one, and can't wait to see how it grows.
0: Well, you've already put your your uh, your name in there for the next ones.
1: Yeah, (laughs) might as well get in there now. Can't wait to be back. Fingers (laughs) crossed.
0: You know, I'm the one to watch.
1: Yeah.
0: Ah, dang. Okay, sign her up.
1: (laughs) Gotta bring her back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um. So then, obviously, we see the track champions league changing track cycling as a whole men's and women's both the same because like oh, what's what's the fella's name in those documentaries? I, it escapes me now. Tour de France team presenter. Oh, he's got like, like if he is going to listen to this, his voice, if he if you want to hop on the podcast, that like that voice, we've talked <laughs> about it at home here and, oh, what he had said, and I think that rang true when he says track cycling is all about the Olympics and the world champs, right? And then somebody comes along mm-hmm. and then changes everything. That's mm-hmm. what the UCI has done. And I don't know if they really realize the magnitude of what they did to change it for men's and women's equally. But then if we're going to look at, say, women's cycling, and then maybe if you want to talk about women's cycling and Canadian cycling as a whole, do you see... Um, off the top of your head obviously it would take a lot of time to think about it but off the top of your head anything that can be done to change women's and then canadian cycling or is there even is there even any hope for it at this point
1: you know what it's tough like so much of what would need to be done comes down to money and our budget yeah. um in what I, I think if a huge sponsor came on board and was able to dump a lot of money into like thinking the roads, sp- road program specifically right now, was able to put a lot of money into that road program, then maybe we'd be able to send more riders over to Europe to do more races, to get scouted by teams. Because when I signed with that Belgian team, I was literally just doing a project with Cycling Canada before Worlds as the first year and I didn't even do that well. I think I got 8th in one of the kermesses over there and was immediately approached by the team right after. Wow. Like they had some of their staff there scouting out young riders. Yeah. So you really just need to get in that setting and just show what you can do and perform and there's opportunity. But like I was supposed to do a project over to Europe this year with the national team and wow. On the woman's side, we just didn't have enough interest or women who would go, and that's mind blowing to me. Like,
0: I think so many people are, are worried about I don't want to say consequences, but what won't happen. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, it costs this and it costs that because Canadian cycling means so small. We're not getting the same funding. Your, 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 your travels won't be paid quite to the same extent as Mm -hmm. the Belgian national teams or the Dutch national teams or the French national team. So it's like, well, I'm paying this and I'm already holding down this job and I can't take that much time off. So it's, well, what kind of reward am I going to get for this risk? And not many people are willing to take that. Yeah. But if you were going to go on that trip and do that, uh, that program, then you open the door up for yourself and for everybody else on that team. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think more people say, need to follow your kind of idea. and Just, just take that risk. So you don't know what's yeah,
1: going to try. Yeah. Go yeah, exactly. Um, I do think it's just hard, like don't have the riders in Canada to go. Yeah. Like the trip was canceled. Cause there was no, there was maybe one other person who expressed interest or um, respond to the invite. So Like that—that comes down to a foundational thing in Canada. What do we need to do? Well, we need—we need races in Canada first. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. We need races for people to race their bikes, for people to be able to upgrade to be a one-cat one-two rider, so they can go do these UCI races. Um, I mean, for so many reasons, and that just. Isn't happening, so I guess it's twofold. Like we need money in the program, and the national team program, to make these projects happen. We also just need racing, yeah, <laughs> and we're not getting really much of that
0: either. Yeah, I think like we were saying, the funding and then the racing, both of them go hand in hand because nobody's wanting to fund a sport that doesn't have any participation. But there's no participation because there's no funding and there's no racing. So somebody, yeah, somebody needs to take that risk. And whether you're a sponsor or somebody who's got a bucket load of cash, you want to throw into a sport to take that risk and encourage people to come into the sport and say, no, this is what we can change. And this is where the future is going for us. Because right now, like what you're saying, if you're one of two girls who's going to try and t- head over to Europe, that's not going to change anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it's is really only making it worse if nobody else is going to go.
2: Yeah. I, yeah,
0: that is disappointing like what you're saying it is sad that it, it gets to that kind of point because there could be a ton of talent
1: yeah i mean take it. It, we have a super athletic nation yeah. that's very outdoorsy and fit and athletically inclined and i mean just like our general population there seems you would think we would have lots of potential in some a sport like cycling but unfortunately
2: you would think yeah
0: so then 10 to 15 years from now we're trying to look even 20 years 20 25 years down the road if we're going to try and predict the future or we're going to try and you know on the path we're going or with the hope that we kind of share for our sport and for the nation
2: where do you kind of kind of see uh cycling canada in the future
1: well i think with the my hope is with the uh tracks that are being built going to see more track riders riding the track more talent i mean rbc training grounds as you see with kelsey yeah. has been is huge um and great for getting people on the track especially in the sprint program so I think there is a lot that could happen on the track side, and we have a lot of potential there. And you're going to see these ebbs and flows as riders retire and new riders come in. But I, my hope is moving forward, we're going to be quicker on developing, like an A and a B squad, so we don't have this extreme lull when all of the previous team retire. <laughs>
3: yeah, you've got um,
1: new riders
0: on the team, right? You need yeah. yeah like the men's world tour you got 20 or 30 guys
1: yeah so i mean same idea on the track you have those people who are ready to step step up and be in the program and are olympic medal potential Uh, so i mean again training the right direction i hope to see more more development on the track and yeah in the road i mean truthfully I think it's going to be if you want to race road and be a big star on the road it's going to be in Europe where you're going to have to go and we're going to have to race like if you want to be a big name in hockey you probably have to come to Canada or at least North America like that's that's just the reality of where we live I mean hopefully there is a Canadians team and more than five or six women on world tour teams (laughs) um but yeah i really do think criterium has potential and can be big and i really hope to see that grow maybe that's just a trend maybe it's like gravel and enduro and it's gonna go through its phase and then it's gonna plateau and then people are just gonna lose interest and move on to the next thing but you know
0: i think with the the williams boys and and legion like what we're saying before i think if with the momentum that they've got going and it's a lot of momentum if they can keep that up then you're going to attract more people and there's bound to be tons of guys and gals who are thinking along the same lines as them you know like finally somebody is doing what what i've always wanted to do yeah like that's kind of that's kind of what i want to do you know if i had a bigger presence obviously canadian and you don't have a presence in the sport or say the sagans of the world do it make cycling cool because right now like in canada it's not a cool sport you know no like, I, it's not i, I think like, if we can turn into like a high school sport or something like that or you know a university level sport i think if we could if you can latch onto it being a high school sport participation will skyrocket People will be like, "Absolutely, oh, what are you? you're I'm a cyclist. Oh, no way, right? But right mm-hmm. now, kids and young adults and adults just don't see it as being a cool sport. I
2: think that mm-hmm. change.
1: Yeah, and yes, the Williams and Legion do do an incredible job of making it a cool sport, and yeah, we need more of that. Um, and just need to like, so sure you remember Crip Beef? <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah, was a thing yeah. last year. Like, people were all tuned into finding out what this creepy Beef was and following the writers and what was happening. Um, and so, like, whether it's real or whether it's staged, like, I think that is kind of how you're going to bring it to the attention of more people and get more people watching and interested.
0: I think almost even having it staged is kind of also cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's entertainment, right? As whether you are a football player or a basketball player, or you know you're a hockey player, or you're a runner or cyclist, you're there to entertain. And I think that drama, you know, crit beef, whether it was real or whether it was fake, like you're saying, if it's fake, they did a really good job of making it like that and playing it up. But if it was real, then that's awesome for the sport, right? Trash talk, you know, banter and forth each other. That's what we need.
1: Yeah,
0: I think that's more where the American personality comes.
1: There's yeah, Canadians—that's the American flair you give to cycling.
0: Yeah, we we need somebody like that, and I don't think we have anyone. Yeah. Yet, hopefully soon, though, <laughs> we need it. <laughs> <laughs> so, not much can be really be done from a small standpoint. We would we kind of agree. Hey, it's got to be. You know, it's a long term where are we going to go, who wants to take a risk, mm-hmm. anybody wants to take a risk, and then kind of go from there, right? That's kind of what we're, we're in agreement on, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. So Canadian Cycling, for now, we'd say it's kind of stagnant on the roadside, and then on the track, it's got good momentum. Um, other than that, Cross isn't going to go very far, I don't think. Would you agree? Obviously you're not in the sport quite as much as as you used to be like what you're saying, but.
1: Yeah. And I still follow it. Obviously, you know, a lot of riders in that. Yeah. Our national team, like we do have a huge pool of cyclocross riders. Um, I think we do do that well as a nation and sending people over to projects in Europe, whether cyclocross is going to continue to take off or again, have gone through that phase uh, i think I think, just like Criteriums, it That's had awesome. and has that potential to like be really exciting and it's short races, exciting, there's lots of features again, just the way they market it and the way they make it cool like that that flair still needs to come into the sport to grow it um. But yeah i do like seeing what our national team has done on the crossing and we have lots of really talented cross riders so
2: it's got hope yeah
1: it's got hope <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then with the um say gravel coming in then do you see
1: mm-hmm.
0: gravel could be do you see that like a do you race or de-ride gravel at all
1: uh You might never catch me doing a super long 200-mile gravel race. (laughs) That will probably never be a thing. I have no interest in that. (laughs) I think it's cool, and respect to all those who do it and do well at it. Uh, I do not need to sit on a saddle for that long. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how
0: about this? Do you ride gravel?
1: I ride gravel. I enjoy riding gravel. And, yeah, I think that's why you have so many people who do it, because gravel's fun.
0: yeah yeah so that could be an entrance you know obviously gravel is not very big in europe at all but u.s it's getting bigger quickly right Mm -hmm. and canadian i'm not too familiar on the gravel scene still but i think it's it's getting there in canada do you think it's getting
1: there we don't have a ton we have lots of people who race down in the u.s and race gravel and who are good at it uh I mean, just to showcase how Gravel has and is growing, I mean, this seems like a very kind of shallow way to put it on a scale, but <laughs> you look at the riders who do well at Gravel and how many Instagram followers they have.
3: That's like, true.
1: They yeah. get fans. People are excited about it. Sponsors are excited about Gravel. So yeah, for cycling in North America, Gravel is trending right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: if we
1: and I'm it sure from, it will continue to be.
0: If we can keep it from not being a trend, but more of an actual fixture in the sport, I guess mm-hmm. say, then that would probably be Canadian cycling's best hope, which is, and crits along with crits, but that's very American yeah. right now. Gravel yeah. crits are probably the best bet, right?
2: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, other than that,
0: we're kind of hoping somebody comes along and sees something that they want to take a risk about and kind of run with it. That's right. our, our issues. Yeah. Is nobody's really a risk taker quite yet.
2: No, not yet.
0: I think, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much wrapping it up. We've, we've kind of talked and we've decided, yeah, okay. Second, I think, we're not in a bad spot or we're not in a very good spot either you know you look at the world rankings and we're not low in any discipline cross track road mountain biking we're not low in any of the those rankings and then any of the world rankings part of me but we're also not moving anywhere i think what you're saying and we have potential we have potential like especially in the track right and gravel crits there's a lot of potential in there um and some people just need to step up and, and see what we can take a risk on and find out with women's cycling the viewership and the money and the participation right is all need to grow
1: mm-hmm. other than
0: that i think we're we're in a not a bad spot but not a great spot either would you would you agree with that just that one statement? yes yeah
2: yes absolutely.
0: well either way however it pans out thank you for joining me on this and uh oh well, yeah i'm sure we will talk soon
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: alrighty thanks very much again as I said before the uh, the interview there with Maggie huge huge thank you to her for taking the time out of her day and out of her crazy busy schedule as I'd assume it probably is being an elite athlete and just you know daily life because I know for me my daily life is pretty packed a lot of times so I can't imagine adding in another step to the crazy puzzle that she's got going on so again huge thank you to her that whole interview in itself, while we were doing that interview, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I was kind of thinking this is kind of the time, and or didn't realize until we were done, i like, dang, time flew by super, super fast. Because when you're talking to her, it just, you learn so, so much so quickly, and she's really easy to talk to, super fun to, to chat with, and she just knows so, so much, right? And I really liked, specifically, the part in her talking about crit racing, And we did this interview actually just before National Champs, a little bit before National Champs. So her saying that um, uh, crit racing was going to grow in North America and could be the next big developmental stage in Canadian cycling, aged kind of well, especially for her, because now, like I said before the interview, she is the Canadian national champion, which is kind kind of awesome. Super super cool that I got to chat with a double national champion, crit, like I said before, and in the road. And I really like the piece how she's saying Legion is turning uh, cycling into a cool sport nowadays. And I, I know we agreed on that in the interview. We had said how Legion is making cycling cool. And that's what we really... I think that's what everything boils down to. If we want to grow cycling in Canada, we got to make it cool. Because it just isn't. Right? And that's, that's what we got to change. we got to figure out how can... Teenage kids, you know, my age and younger, that kind of thing, how can they look at riding a bike and go, I want to do that in high school, or I want to do that as a sport, I want to be a cyclist? Because that ultimately is going to see how, you know, the next generation, the generation after that, and after that is going to grow and flourish. Is how many young kids can we bring into the sport, male and female? Because the female side is growing but it's growing slowly I and mean, i'm talking like worldwide right and you look at the tour de france femme is doing that as a worldwide thing is growing women's cycling but then it's also growing canadian cycling a little bit and seeing the rise of of woods and Hule and guys like that come into the sport and maggie on the women's side along with say allison jackson growing the um inspirational side of things i would say for young kids is we got to have those superstars those Corey williams and justin williams the guys who are showing up and and inspiring little kids to take on the sport we got to make it cool right like i said before that's what it boils down to can i make it cool i don't know i'm probably not that kind of guy maybe i don't know i don't think i can make it that cool i'd like to say i could but i don't think i could maybe we'll see i don't think i can pull chains off quite the same as Corey williams can but anyways you know what i mean right that's kind of what we're going with with this uh this whole thing make cycling cool again hey there's a slogan for you right anyways thank you once again for uh for tuning into this this episode i really really appreciated you coming along for this journey And I know this is my first episode that I'm releasing, but there will be more to come. And I've got some pretty sweet people lined up, some friends and uh, some teammates and some other high-profile athletes and social media cyclists and that kind of thing, hoping to get on and released in the future. Once again, huge thank you for, for sticking around to this point. It's been a while. I know. But um, if you've made it this far, thank you, thank you, thank you. Once again, if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, any ideas on the podcast that you want to hear or anybody you want to hear on the podcast, feel free to get in contact with me on my Strava. My name is Carter Lewis. I will get back to you and anybody else that, uh, that happens to put anything in there. Make sure I get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And I'm sure we can try and work something out to see your ideas come to life. Once again, huge thank you to Maggie and to you for having a listen. I am Carlos and I am your host of the Clippus and Canon Podcast. Thank you very much and I'll see you next time.